I want to remind you a little bit about where we've been. I'm in First Peter, okay? I want to remind you where we've been. So Peter, right? He's this old man, right? He's already denied Jesus many times. He's already been restored by Jesus. He's lived a long life of obedience, and he is this mature, wise believer. And he writes this letter to a group of people who are in some trouble. They're not being supported by their communities. They're not among a bunch of different believers. They're kind of isolated and they're not being taken care of. And so Peter writes this letter because he knows they need some reassurance about the things they've learned about Jesus. They need some encouragement about the things that they're going through. Today, I believe as we delve into the next portions of the letter, as we continue from where he left off, I do believe that God has a word for us. Whether you're new to your faith or you've been a believer your whole life or you're here this morning because your wife made you come or your husband made you come or you're here because you might be on the fence about some of the things that are found in the Bible, I believe God wants to talk to you. Now, I believe that about every Sunday that Scott preaches, uh, but I believe that about this morning as well. I believe that 2021 could be a really good and special year for us. I believe that 2021 can be a year of growth for us individually and as a church here at RRC. In the men's group, we've been going through this book titled uh, Manhood Restored. And it's about identifying a lot of issues of skewed definitions that the society that we live in places on manhood. Trying to find the errors in how society has defined what men should look like today. And the book is really is doing a good job of helping us problem solve by using scripture to redefine it in an appropriate way. And personally, my experience with this Bible study so far, I've chosen to take this as a formal step, a formal step forward for me as a season of restoration and refinement. There are men in that group that know more about God than I do, and I want to hear from them. I want to hear their life experiences. I want to do my best to facilitate conversation so that I can take from men who have walked a path longer than I have. And I fully believe that God is not just offering me that opportunity of refinement and restoration, but he's offering it to you in this season too. I fully believe that each of us are in that position today, this morning, where we can either ride that wave or put that opportunity aside and stay where you've been. So if you're here this morning, before I even get to the message, I want to be extremely clear about what this message is about, and it is this. You are already born again, and if you're not, you need to be. You either have been born again already, or you need to be. Every one of us has been affected by this current season in our country. Whether it's directly or indirectly, we've all somehow been affected now, some of you this morning might be disagreeing with me. You might feel like it didn't touch you at all, didn't affect you at all, didn't bother you at all. So I'm asking you as a friend, as your student's youth pastor, as a person who gets to preach God's word up here, I'm asking you from, from my heart if you would just take this as an opportunity then for maybe a reassessment. Because I'm willing to bet there are things that you might have missed, good and bad, from God. It's possible God had things for you in 2020 and you missed them. Or maybe you just didn't see it you didn't want to see it. Because truthfully, in the midst of chaos, right, there are these new complexities in 2020 trying to navigate new normals. There's new financial burdens. There's new medical burdens and risks placed on our older family members and other people. There's new challenges when it comes to your students' education. Good luck with virtual school. Impossible. 
That's all real, and you have been affected by it, or you know people that have been extremely affected by it. And so I would call this somewhat of a crisis for many people. And so crisis, whether you've handled it well or not, produces at every level some sort of trauma. Now, thankfully, we've remained physically healthy for the most part our church. I mean, there was a couple weeks where we were kind of down for the count, but we're all safe now, we're all healthy now, we're back at church, we're preaching God's word, and we're meeting together, but... For the most part, we remain physically healthy, but our lives here on earth are not just physical. As Christians, our minds are to be aware and to be in forward thinking regarding spiritual things that are put before us here on this earth. And it starts with your personal walk with Jesus Christ. So today, hear my heart. On this earth, you are in one of two camps. Either you've already been born again or you need to be. And with 2021 around the corner, this this might just be the season that you need. It might just be the season that God is going to bring about the growth that you've been looking for all of 2020. So I'm asking you don't miss out. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you for everything that you've done for us in this season, even though it's been trying. I thank you that even in the midst of some crisis, you have shined bright. I thank you that uh, we're safe as a church family. I thank you that we've been able to open the doors. I thank you that you've kept our pastors safe and able to keep preaching your word. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive this word you have for us today. That we would see Peter the way you see Peter. That you that we would be able to hear his words as if we were the original audience. And God, by the end of this morning, I'm praying that you would be honored by our responses to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so today we are in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. And so for those of you who are on your phone, I'm using the ESV. Otherwise, it'll be on the screens. Uh, But let's read it and uh, we'll get started, okay? Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That first verse, I'm going to read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The first thing I want to call your attention to this morning is how Peter starts off this section of the letter. I feel like it can be really easy to start writing off how the New Testament writers begin their books, right? There's a lot of intros and welcomes, but it's important to note that Peter leads his thoughts in this letter with one thing, and it's worship. Think about that for a second. He he writes a a group of people, and he just worships to them via pen and paper. That's his first thought. Now, he's worshiping because he's getting them ready for the things that are to follow. So if you can keep in your mind that the next verses that we read, those are the very reasons why he's worshiping. Think about who this guy was, this Peter. If we look at why he's writing this letter, you'll, you'll find out that his worship is really genuine. And it's not just because, like Paul, he's concerned for them, even though Peter probably is concerned for them. Peter's genuine because at some point in Peter's life, like I've said in weeks past, Peter denied Jesus, and this letter that he wrote is filled with the truths that he learned directly from Jesus. All these thoughts that he's writing to his people 
Our thoughts that have been tried and tested. He's, he has now remained faithful as an old man. There are things that he fully believed with all of his heart. I mean, think about Peter's relationship with Jesus Christ. What that man actually meant to him. Think about the things that Jesus promised Peter and the rest of the disciples up until the day of his crucifixion. Jesus had said he was the resurrection and the life. That he who dies will live said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, he who hears my word and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. Because I live, you will also live. Jesus said all those things. So when you're looking at Peter, what do you say when the guy who told him all of those things dies? Everything Jesus had said must have come into question upon his death in Peter's mind. Peter must have remembered every conversation Every teaching, every prayer, Peter lost some faith. He was terrified and he was filled with doubt. And he's supposed to stand on those truths of a dead man? Makes sense that he denied Jesus. People don't say that, but it does make sense. But no, we have in this letter a mature Peter. A Peter who was restored and empowered by Jesus himself. This Peter knows that Jesus Christ is alive. It isn't long after Jesus is alive that Peter learns of his resurrection. Imagine the emotion and the mind-bending thoughts he must have had to go from a public denial to weeks or days later preaching to thousands of people and baptizing them in his name. What a roller coaster of emotions. Of course he starts off this part of the letter with worship. It was the foundation of his rebirth. Jesus had given him a new name and a new life. It was the foundation of his hope. And Peter in this letter is hoping that Jesus Christ is our hope as well moving forward. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pause for a second before we continue. Church, your worship is a reflection and acknowledgement of who God is to you, you personally, who he is to you and what he's done for you. Think about Peter's approach and his attitude here, him writing to this people. I have a question. How often is this kind of attitude of worship coming out of your mouths? When you're at home alone, do you spend time with Jesus? Do you? Do you take moments to reflect and give thanks? Give him credit for what he's doing? How about when you're with other believers? Or unbelievers for that matter? Do you point back to to Jesus and the work of God? Like Peter does here? Do people see you saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Peter's modeling for us what our speech should be filled with. This kind of positivity, this encouragement, this truth. It's a reminder that Christians, your, your lives should be characterized by attitudes like Peter has. Let's continue with what he's saying. Second part of verse three. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay. That phrase born again. I got to laugh at some of this stuff because I was a little kid in Bible quiz. So we always had some nonsense going on. But this reminds me, born again, it reminds me of a lot of conversations I had with my parents, with my friends at church and at Sunday school. This was a term at church for what kind of Christian you were, right? We were little kids. We'd ask, what do you say when people ask what kind of Christian you are? What am I supposed to tell people? And what would mom say? Tell them you're a born again Christian. Okay, I don't know what that means, but sure. And no joke, that's what I recited to people. I'm born again, 10-year-old. What in the world? I don't know what he's talking about. But there's these terms like Catholic, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Evangelical. Why are there so many? Say you're born again. As we got older, we'd hear people in passing talk about those types of Christians. And maybe you didn't have that experience, but I had that experience. People would talk negatively of them born againers. 
To other people, it felt like we were super different than the normal types of Christians. We didn't know what to think. We would do Sunday school at 9 a.m., then we would do main church at 1045. We'd be in Bible quiz every other night with other kids our age, and we were all learning these things about the Bible and our faith. But in those moments, those things were just head knowledge. We could recite scripture, though. We had books of the Bible memorized, Bible verses galore. We could define Bible terms. We could do all the good stuff, but we didn't fully understand what many of those things meant. We just thought it was a good way to tell people what kind of Christian we are, born again. Now, if you can remember, Jesus addresses being born again to a Pharisee named Nicodemus in John 3. So let's read a little bit about that experience. John 3, 1 through 6. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied in all sorts of Jesus fashion, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. Well, Nicodemus responded, how can someone be born when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Church, we can't run from this. According to Jesus, being born again is absolutely essential. And if it's absolutely essential, then let's make sure we understand what it is and its importance. And so I've got three truths for you this morning about what it means to be born again. The first truth concerning your rebirth. First truth is this. You are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. You are a new creation. Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You are no longer the person you were in the past, Root River Church. You have been saved from the penalty of sin. You were on one path that leads to destruction. You were on a path filled with enemies of God. And upon putting your faith in Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, not the dead one, not the broken one, but Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, That moment, the Holy Spirit has given you a new name and a new story, just like Jesus gave Peter. Second truth, you are being transformed. One, you are a new creation. Two, you are being transformed. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This doesn't mean that we have a better version of our own mind. 1 Corinthians 2 tells us that we have the mind of Christ because we're given discernment through one thing, the Spirit of God. By your very nature, Root River Church, a life pleasing to God, a life that is submissive to his word and strives for both righteousness and fulfillment of his will is not attainable for you without the power of God and without faith in Jesus Christ. When you are born again, you're created new, and you are being transformed. The result of that is a complete change of your entire lifestyle. Your thoughts, your attitudes, 
your prayers, your convictions, your joys and your pleasures, your conscience, everything that is within you and around you is being changed. You are actively being saved from the power of sin today. Now, this last truth is tied to the next part of what Peter is saying. We're going to move on. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What does he mean, we're born again to a living hope? That 10-year-old me did not know that. I was reciting the mess out of that Bible verse, though. But I had no idea what it meant. Our world is ugly. right? We're in this really broken world. The people that Peter was talking to, they were in a really rough society, unsupported by unbelievers, uncared for by unbelievers. This world is ugly. It's filled with all sorts of distorted views of God and his creation. This world promotes decay and lifelessness. It shortens your vision. You become short-sighted. Whatever good we try to find in it is at risk of, of termination. The devil trolls throughout it to distract you from fulfilling your purposes. Even as a Christian, the life we're trying to live can be clouded by all sorts of peril. Sickness to injustice to death. We forget that we're strangers like Peter called them earlier in this letter. We forget that we're aliens on this earth. We find ourselves seeking comfort for the now and losing sight of what is ahead. Look at the language the writers of the New Testament use. They're speaking of perseverance and trials and urging churches to stay strong. There's not prosperity in any of that. There's not great circumstances and riches and there's none of that. You don't see that. They're talking about bad experiences, bad circumstances. I mean, the disciples had walked and talked with Jesus and now he had left them behind in a really violent and terrifying way. But Jesus also told them he was going to prepare a place and that soon he'd come back for them. Jesus had promised a better life and a better future, but until he was ready, they had to make do while they were here on this earth. It wasn't glamorous. It was difficult and it was wild. This living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, the living hope is our third truth concerning your spiritual birth. And that living hope is that you have everlasting life beyond this earth right now. You have eternal salvation. When Jesus returns, not only will you ultimately be saved from the very presence of your own personal sin in the future, but you'll also be saved from the effects and the ramifications of it all throughout the world like this. No more pain, no more hurt or suffering or death. Everything that Jesus promised will come to fruition and you'll be saved. You're a new creation. You're transformed for now. While you're here on this earth and beyond it, you will have everlasting life. That's what it means to be born again. And Peter wants to make sure we know it's characterized by worship. And it's rooted in his word. Peter keeps going. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, from the dead. And Peter tells us that this hope is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Romans 8.14 says this, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. 
The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Read another verse for you, John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God himself. Born again, that's what that inheritance looks like. As people who are born again, we're considered to be children of God. We are heirs. We have claimed through Jesus Christ to the most precious inheritance of them all. It's, it's yours and nobody else. It's that personal that it is for Beth Harms and also for Scott Harms and also every single one of you and no one else is at the same time. It is yours to take hold of. That's an inheritance. You are born into that. You are adopted to sonship, he says. This inheritance, it's the object of your hope. It's considered even a crown of glory. Unlike the treasures and possessions and powers of this world, this inheritance is incorruptible, he says. It can't be tainted by any outside forces or people. It can't even be paraded around by people who are corrupt themselves. It's how pure this is. Unlike the ways of this world and the enemies of God, this inheritance is undefiled. It's pure. It's holy. Incapable of stain. This inheritance is unfading. He says, unlike the many nations and armies at their highest glory, this inheritance is durable and uninterrupted. It is not going anywhere, and nobody can steal it from you. But I love this next verse. Peter, man, he says it's kept in heaven for you, that inheritance. It's kept away, guarded by God, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. God's mercy, like Peter starts off this verse, brings us to security and protection. Our hope, which is found in Christ's resurrection, is out of the reach of Satan. The gift itself can't be touched and will never be altered. Not only have we been chosen to salvation and given a new life, but we also are preserved through it until the story is over. 2020 was not fun. Some of you experienced some really difficult things. Some of you are still in the midst of that. And Scott prays this prayer at the end of every service. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Don't get caught up in the things of this world, church. There's a reason scripture says that we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. When you find yourself at a, at a loss for words, when you feel unwanted and unprotected, when you feel like you have no rescuer or relief, you need to be proactive about your faith response and tell yourself, remind yourself that a living God is keeping you. Sometimes we chase like this emotional response, right? We want to make, we want to feel like we're being kept. We want to feel arms wrapped around us. We run to things that give us comfort in those times. Sometimes that comfort is just going to be facts and truths from Scripture, and you need to say it to yourself. It's not enough to come to church and try to hear it once in a while and never spend time in the Word. You need to preach God's Word to you, but you have to be in God's Word in order to do that. You may not like a particular circumstance, but you need to start letting Scripture take root in your life. The weaknesses that you have, 
You need to let God expose them. The burdens you're putting on people instead of Jesus, you need to put on Jesus. The sin you're hiding, you need to remember why we're here. Stop falling to the temptations of this earth. Peter says we're strangers to it. Don't forget where you're chasing after. Well, you might be asking, how do we move forward? What are your next steps? I'm going to say them all again for you. If you want to be a believer and you're asking after this message, what, what are my next steps? You need to tell Jesus you need him. Not everyone in here is a believer. I, I believe that there are regular attenders that are struggling in their faith. I think there are lifelong believers in Christ that are falling astray. You need to tell Jesus that you need him. You need to confess that you are an enemy of God and no longer want to be. That you want to give your whole life, past, present, and future to him. And that you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised three days later. And the next step after that is that you need to get in your Bible. If you're here and you're a believer and you want to know what your next steps are, it is really clear. You need to communicate all that whole last part to other people. You have family members that are enemies of God and doomed to hell. And your task here on this earth as a stranger to it is to gather as many as you can and disciple, preaching the name of Jesus Christ. It starts with love. You need to be able to communicate that to the people in your life. And again, it starts with you being in the, the word and letting that word take root in your life, period. No other feeling you can get, no other experience you can have, no worship service, no whatever you want to look for, fill in the blank. It starts with God's word, his living word and his written word. Scott has said it year after year after year. It's the same message. It ain't easy, but it's simple. If you want to know what next steps are for you as a believer, you need to start walking in the new life he gave you. You need to start asking him what his will for your life is. It's not enough, like I said before, to just come here. You need to be daily, actively, Lord, what would you have for me to to do today? God has already put people in your life, and what are you going to say to them? If you're not saying these things, if you're not preaching the gospel to them, what are you doing? You're letting them die. As much as God keeps you for salvation, you need to keep your faith in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the man, Peter. I thank you that his life was filled with failure and filled with rescue and filled with uh, power and preaching and restoration. I thank you that you've given us models like Paul and Peter to show us what it looks like to walk in your will. Lord, help us to realize that the response that we have after reading that we have a hope, that we're co-heirs with Christ for salvation and inheritance. Lord, let our response be of worship, just like Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to have that response, to run to you when we're broken and when we're hurting, to stick to the truths that are in this Bible, even if they're uncomfortable, even when they make us feel like we're doing something wrong. Lord, that's a good thing. Amen to that. Help us to fight the urges of this world to be different than what God has called us to. Lord, I pray as as we get into this next song, and I think it's goodness of God, I pray that people, believers and unbeliever alike, would take that as a moment to 
to recharge, to come to repentance, to ask for forgiveness, to tell you how good you are, to to bless your name for the work that you're doing in their life, that they would pour out their heart to you. Ultimately, that it would lead them to a, a changed lifestyle. Lord, remind the people that we are new creations, that day after day we're being transformed and ultimately will be glorified in heaven with you because that's our inheritance, which is salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.